Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Gav Buckland, Sam Carroll and Chris Beasley as we chew the fat on all the major talking points from Goodison Park this week. We will reflect on a bitterly disappointing afternoon at Craven Cottage as a sluggish Blues slumped to Fulham 2-0. We'll be discussing one of the major talking points and fallouts from that game. That is Andre Gomez's what appears to be an impending three-game ban charged by the FA on Monday night and likely to face action. And we'll also be discussing something far more positive, of course. The under-23s did it last night at Goodison in front of around 7,000 supporters. They beat Brighton to lift the Premier League two title. So, a bit of a mixed bag um, in today's podcast, but we'll kick off, Gav. Um, For you, uh, on Saturday at Craven Cottage, what what was the, the main issue? Well, as Michael Ball put it perfectly last night, wasn't he? Uh, attitude, I think. Um, a bit. I, I'm going to throw me, put myself's opinion here. Like, but the way I looked at it, I thought we turn up on Saturday last week, put in a performance, just turn up, we'll, we'll win. They'd lost nine on the bounce, um, and you know I sort of underestimated Fulham as a supporter, and by looks of it, so did the players as well. And not only underestimated them, but they didn't even compete. Did they? It, was, it was an abject display. I think as much as I said like last week against uh, Arsenal, we were magnificent, we were the opposite end of the scale. And I think it was just down to attitude. There was no pressing from the start, you know, and, and pace and tempo from the start. And we just failed to recapture that at all during the 90 minutes. So I think Michael said it perfectly last night's attitude. I, 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 I find it hard or struggle to believe that that would have been... Um a feeling or a, 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 a mentality that the manager would give would have given off in the week because he just never has never at one point struck me as anything other than focus. Yes, it's not always gone yeah. right for Marco, etc. This season, but but focus and, and 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 not looking beyond what's next. So is this purely down to the players? Yeah, it goes back once to the, one of the old truisms of football. You can be a manager, but as soon as the players cross the white line, the start of the 90 minutes, you, they're, they're effectively out, out of your control. Okay, you can switch things tactically around and stuff, but in terms of getting them to play and having the right mentality, uh, you know, that on the pitch, that's down to them during the 90 minutes. And at no point, apart from, say, Bernard in the first half, did, did any of them appear to be showing the right uh, the, the right mentality they needed for the game. And in a match where you knew, if we scored at any point, even if they're winning 1-0, meant Dominic Calvaloon had that chance. If we, we, we scored any chance at any time during the game, we'll probably go on to win. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it was a, in, in a season that's been littered with bad performances and poor results, that was probably the most painful of all, given our good performance in the middle of February. Mm-hmm. Um Sam, Borley in his column had, had, had talked about we'll not, never rid this 
these type of performances and and and, and remove the risk of, of of this happening again if if we don't bring in the players with the right mentality. But is it is it as black and white as that? Do you think, or do you think maybe actually the players in the squad on Saturday who started the game actually they should have. There's no reason for them not to have had the right frame of mind going into that match, and it isn't a case of needing to sign players with the right the right mentality, so to speak. I still think we, you know, we need to sign players with the with the right mentality in terms of you know you kind of look it went a long way in the summer, you know, to get your lads from Barcelona and and players like that who, who kind of didn't have this thing about Everton, you know, obviously the last few years or so been associated, you know, we don't often win at the top six and. You know, we do seemingly pile up these records in terms of like your Anfields and your Emirates that we just don't play well at. But there's no reason at any standard of football for any level of professional footballer to ever underestimate any team that they play. And, and you know, obviously, I agree with you in the sense that you do find it hard to believe that a manager could not kind of get his troops up, up for the fight before a game. And, and I find it hard to believe that fellas who are being paid... 30, 40 plus thousand pounds a week should and not be and the rest <laughs> yeah, yeah. shouldn't be in the right frame of mind to beat a team that you know if Huddersfield win in the Premier League this season would be going down as one of the worst Premier League teams ever and, and you know it was embarrassing wasn't it after the final whistle to think the Fulham hadn't kept a clean sheet uh, since 2018 since December 2018 um, you know hadn't <laughs> nine defeats on the spin and, and they turn Everton over with pretty, pretty much without breaking sweat as well and I think the problem uh, that I've got with it at the moment is it, is it just this team never seems to kind of just kind of middle of the road it you know we're either spot on and we do everything properly you know like we have been doing at Goods in the last few games or you know we, we've just got that kind of implosion like what we've seen in the second half against Newcastle and, and for what we've seen in the the entirety of the game at, at Craven Cottage that not one of those players showed you know how good they can be and you know there's been a lot of talk the last few weeks about you know how much we'd be willing to pay for Kertuma and Andre Gomez and obviously you're not going to be reactionary enough off one game to kind of start two-footing them by any means but you know that's not the kind of performance that you want to see from guys who at the end of the day are trying to earn a contract at Everton or show how good they are you know to, to the rest of the watching football world so yeah I think the, the words that have been already been uttered around this table but abject and embarrassing and you know to, they've got something to make up for now against Manchester United this weekend because no Everton team should ever attain in a pathetic performance like that just, just staying, Sam. Just one more on on the game specifically. Do you think one of the bigger disappointments was the fact that, and with with the greatest respect to him, and, and we do mean this, that Sergio Rico must be considered <laughs> one of the weakest goalkeepers in the division. Yet we only tested him once. Given what had gone on against Arsenal, where we absolutely pummeled Arsenal. I don't know yeah. how many attempts we had in the end. Twenty odd attempts. About twenty three against West Ham, wasn't it? Something like that. Was and it? Yet yeah, we, yeah. We just didn't. We didn't test him. It was almost like harking back to like the kind of bad bad end to the Martinez and Cumin days where we just didn't seem to have any kind of attacking kind of plan B or plan C. You know, it, it was just, we, we didn't have anything really, did we? And, you know, we've got some of the best set piece takers in the division in, in Dean and Sigurdsson, you know, we've got lads who can hit a ball from long range and there was just no kind of creativity or movement. And and as you said, Sergio Rico was, was I don't think we'll ever be seeing him in the Premier League again and we didn't take advantage of it and there just didn't seem to be anyone who was willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck and kind of carry Everton forward and, and pose a threat so you know obviously what one of the biggest gripes of the Sam Allardyce era now 
was that kind of, you know, we'd come out of games with zero shots on target, one shot on target, and to go to second bottom of the league and, and, and come away with that, it, it was it was just not good enough. And it, it, I just can't believe that we, we didn't even manage to create a, you know, Calvert-Lewin aside, a, a real opportunity and to, to get a goal that, that, you know, would have put us back in the game. Indeed, a very disappointing afternoon. But as uh, Sam mentions, an, an excellent opportunity uh, to bounce back on Sunday with Manchester United, the visitors to Goodison. Um, but he's on the podcast, uh, in the preview podcast on uh, on Friday, we mm-hmm. spoke about players that you would maybe like to cherry pick from Fulham, uh, you know, take from this relegated squad. And of course, Alexander Mitrovic came up. Um, he, he was a real handful on um, on Saturday and, and, and certainly gave Jagielka a, a bit of a run around do you do you feel that Mitrovic is somebody worth exploring as a, as a potential transfer target or do you think he's not much if at all an upgrade on, on what we've got he certainly might be able to fulfill that classic Marco Silva role that we, we've spoken about in that some of his centre forwards haven't always been the most prolific, but they play a team game where they they, they bring others into the um, you know they they work hard up there as, as a focal point of the attack and, and bring others into the play. So I know a few people have at various points this season, even across the park. I think he played well against Liverpool, and a few right. uh, a few Reds were saying that you know you know they'd fancy him as a squad player. I think John Aldridge even possibly in his echo column. So he, he's he's got something about him. I can't say. Um, I'd be particularly excited at the, at the prospect of him being the main man at um, ever, and they they certainly seem need somebody, and maybe he could do a job. But I, you know, personally, I think there's probably better out there. Mm. Gav, any feelings on Mitrovic? Eh, uh, with bees on this. Um, I think he's very unusual. Not many strikers left in the Premier League, isn't there? Who big barely put themselves about a bit like, yeah. Him. There's not, you know. Negredo would probably be one of the last ones yeah. I can remember who was that ilk, you know, and um, I think that was sort of one of the reasons why we struggled with him on Saturday, that it's very unusual to play against a striker of yeah. that, those sorts of characteristics. Uh, and with Bees, I think there's probably better out there, though he did play well on uh, Saturday. Um, I actually thought he was quite greedy on occasion. There was a couple mm-hmm. of times where he could have played players in and, and he shot... Uh, um, but with all due respect to, to Jackie Elker on, on Saturday, I think um, he made Mitrovic look, look yeah. good. I think Jack struggled, as did, as, and to be fair, as did Zuma, you know. It was my feeling coming away from the game that if that had been a peak Jackie Elker against that Mitrovic, it would have been no contest. I think Jackie Elker would have just snuffed him out of the game. Well, Jackie Elker had Torres in his pocket for two games when Torres was at his peak, didn't he, in January 2009. So, um, yeah, well, I don't think that would have been a contest. Um and that we struggled, and the other thing we've not spoken about is Michael Keane. Well, on, that, on, yeah, on, that was I was going to get into it. Yeah. Um, Marco was asked afterwards by um, our man Adam Jones about the decision not to bring Keane back in, and and Marco perhaps, mm. perhaps taking that as a suggestion that the defeat was on Jagielka when that wasn't the, the the meaning behind the question, rather than just a specific question about that decision was you know we didn't lose because of Jagielka etc. But it was very difficult not to come away and thinking if Keane had played, A, he would have dealt with Mitrovic better and B, would have offered us um, somebody to bring the ball out on that side of the pitch where Jags was very keen either just to shuffle it across or ping a, a long ball, to, you know, hopefully towards Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, I agree. I think Keane should have played. I mean, I, 
he's been one of our better players, hasn't he, this season? And given the threat of Mitrovic, I just felt it was um, it was an error by Marco. Um, I think I think you can you can clearly see why Jagielka retained his place. You know, even when you spoke to him about players like Luckman, he puts a lot of emphasis seemingly on training and how people train. Yeah, and I think also then. You know, he, he's obviously wanted to reward Jagielka, hasn't he? And said, look, you had a good game against Arsenal. Yeah. You know, it, it was the kind of decision, it's, wasn't it? It, it, could, I, it was just going to go either yeah, way. Yeah, 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 everyone would have been like, fair play, Marco. You know, Jag's done well in the game I, and you've let him keep his I place. Think I, I think it's a good point ha, about training ha, because we don't know how, you know, Michael had come back into training at the start of the week, hadn't he? But maybe wasn't, you might be right, he maybe wasn't. Not even saying the team's had a bad points. week, but, no, you know, obviously yeah, he does place a lot of emphasis. The illness may have taken a little bit more out of him than, than perhaps we, we know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, maybe he wanted to give Jags a few, some game time, considering it's all up in the air at the moment. Mm. Um, no, and I, I get that. I just felt that I was still late of seeing Keane on the pitch, but um, that wasn't the only reason why we lost on. No, absolutely on not. I mean, the other thing as well is, we forget is, Fulham played Liverpool, didn't he, about, about a month ago? And that was a really tough yeah. game, wasn't it, for Liverpool? I think they, they won with a, a late penalty. The things never change. And, um, <laughs> the you know, that was a real that was a real tough game, wasn't it? Mm. Um, for, for, Still no for excuses for, for a performance like that. No, no, I'm not saying, but... It, Exactly, but for them shows in that game, yes. didn't they? That actually, okay, they might be second from bottom, whatever, but they, they actually are no on a key. Yeah. On a key, I think that was your point, Phil, it was. wasn't it? <laughs> they, they, they could, they still has a go, um, and we, we needed to, we, we needed to remember that, didn't we? What I'm saying is, as, as as a group of players, that actually, okay, they've lost nine on the bounce, but actually against Liverpool, you know, they played, they played well. And it was just, just it, it reminds me a little bit. Is I, I remember we spoke about this Phil a couple of years ago. Cummins only complete season. Maybe got to sort of seventh about four or five games from the end of the season. It's the seventh and, of October. Didn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then last five games we just sort of packed it in, didn't we? Remember that Chelsea game and all. Yeah, and yeah. was a Swansea away. We got beat one nil. Yeah, and we were, yeah. at, we were similar performance. That's it. Absolutely abject. And we we sort of packed. You know, packed the, the season in, and um, there was a little bit of that flavour on uh, on on Saturday for me. Uh, but in terms of Jags, obviously, um, I spoke to him in the mix zone afterwards, and of course asked mm. him about his future. And, and fairly candidly, he was he basically said he doesn't know. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit in the dark over what's going to happen. Um, hinted uh, that there had been some sort of meeting perhaps with the representative in the club on the Friday, and that he had hoped to have heard something concrete, but didn't. Um, where do you sit on 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 this on this particular argument with Jagielka? I suppose it depends on what he wants. Um, he wants to he stay. Be, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's but clear. In regards to playing time, I mean, um, is he is he happy sort of being fourth choice, third, fourth choice at Everton and being wheeled out as and when necessary? I mean, if they're not in Europe next season, it's not won't be particularly that many more fixtures so if they're not in Europe I mean you know it just has to be used sporadically or does he want in what is very much the his autumn years now to to play as much as uh, as he can I guess when you get to that age I mean they often say um, you count the seasons rather than the games that you play like Ryan Giggs played a tremendous amount of seasons towards the end of his career but wasn't always playing so what does he want is he happy being a squad player Everton and uh, getting the odd run out or does he just want to play as much as he can while, while he can um, if, if, if he does want to stay then I, I guess it, it, it's in it's in the uh, uh, the balls on the club's court and I mean are they 
Are they happy with him? They've got potential to bring Mason Holgate back mm. or do they want to develop him rather than uh, give Jack Jags the, the odd out in? So I guess um, if that's the way um, you've put it there, it's, 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 does Marco Silva want to give him another year? So do you think, hypothetically say the club didn't offer Jags an extension, do you think he would, do you sense he'd be willing to go into the championship? As an example, you know, I'm not saying a, a Premier club wouldn't be interested, but you know, like like his friend Gareth Barry did, took the opportunity to go and play with West Brom. Um, do you think he would he would do that, do you think? Um, to be honest, I, th- I think a championship club would probably be foolish not to not to give Jags at least, you know, a, a one-year contract. And, you know, you'd kind of wonder, Sheffield United, depending on what happens with them, would, mm. would they want to bring... came up, maybe, yeah. Would they want to bring Jags back? Yeah, I agree with Bees in, in his point about Holgate, and I think there's... Seven, there's a lot of factors, isn't there, riding on both mm. Baines and, and Jagielka's contracts. And I just kind of hope that whatever happens is handled a little bit better this summer than obviously there was a little bit of fallout from Hibbert and Osman when they left the club. I think Hibbert found out via his mate texting them that Everton announced it on the club website, hadn't they? And, you know, you you, for, you almost forget because they was they've just became so much part of the furniture mm. at Goodison Park. You know, you, you kind of forget about the service they've given to Everton and how many games they've racked up and, and some of those famous Goodison days, European days, Wembley days that they've played the part in and, and just how good they were under Moyes and, and in that, that kind of like spell between, I'd say, 2008, 2012. Mm. You know, Jags in the England squad played in the World Cup, Baines the same and two of the best defenders in the Premier League and, you know, you, you look at Jags now and he, he's not built the same way he kind of was back back in the day, but you know, I was reading of the game. I think he showed against Arsenal and, and Cardiff a little bit before that. Still spot on, and mm. you know, I think it was the, the FA Cup game that me and you both did, where Baines just still looked as as supple as he did when he was twenty six, twenty seven. So both of them, I think, could easily get good moves still in England. Maybe you know, would one of them be tempted by your kind of MLS move and and, and go and kind of enjoy themselves with the quality of life and and what not what that offers over there so I just, I just hope the whole thing is handled well and you know both parties come out of it nicely really and I, I, I still kind of think both of them could do a job at Everton in a kind of you know mentory kind of hanging hanging about and filling in when needed role but you know do we want to kind of hold back your, your Holgate and, and your other young lads and I'm sure Marcel and Mark will have their own defensive targets this summer. What I would, uh, sorry, on, what I would say um, about causing too much of a rumpus is that neither of them have been given a testimonial game. No, they were given the award. Do you remember yeah, that? I, I, I sensed, yeah, yeah. sensed that was almost seen as a replacement. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. A testimonials a bygone thing now? Are they? Well, they don't. They don't serve the need that they had in previous years, course, and that yeah. they would be a fundraiser for the player as such. Because yeah. the because these are all very wealthy men, and the money tends to go to charity. But it gives them their big day, their big night, as it were. You know, the, the crowd comes out. The uh, you know the a recognition of the long service they've both yeah. done. What is it? Twelve, 12 seasons years, each. So twenty-four seasons of. Um, playing for Everton between them. Um, I think if not a testimonial, maybe yeah. that nice. If it was announced before the well, last Goodison yeah. game, that's what I was going to ask. And you get to give it, the um, nice send off. That was going. That was my next point. If look, often as a football club, and some of the decisions, you know, has been uh, criticism has been levelled at, at the club for making decisions probably with too much sentiment and, and heart rather than head at times. And that's something we're trying to get away from, and it's certainly not something that Marcel Brands um, gives out as, a, as as something about his profile. But 
if it if a decision has been made in Marco's head and Marcel's head, do you think that the, both of those players, it should be announced before the end of the season that there is an opportunity? You know, I'm thinking Sunday will become too soon, of course, but Burnley on the third of May have that opportunity to say goodbye to Gluten properly because, as you mentioned, the testimonials almost becoming an outdated thing. Yeah, they won't potentially be given the send off that they do deserve. Definitely, they should. They should be given some sort of um, opportunity um, to say goodbye. I mean, it's been quite sporadic over the years. I remember um, Neville Southall ended up coming back for uh, it was the, the the Coventry City game when Everton stayed up on the last game, game of the season. He played his last game for Everton back in the autumn and uh, gone out on loan to Stoke City. I think so. He sort of came back for the day there. I mean. Kale said his goodbyes, didn't he, in what was Moyes' last mm. home game, and uh, Phil Neville was there as well. So, yeah, they should definitely be given, whether they're on the pitch or not, they yeah. should be given and an opportunity to say goodbye if that's the case. And it certainly, Gav, it helped clear the air with Tim Howard, didn't it, if you remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was his last game, 16, was it? Yeah, I think that no, was the point. Not, yeah. yeah, I think that was the point, wasn't it? It's made about Ozzy and Hibbert, who were both local-born players. You know, Tim Howard leaves, and you get like that yeah. born is, in the is, USA is, thing. Is Ozzy's the last testimonial that's actually ever happened? Because we played yeah. Porto in a pre-season game, and that was yeah. official. Yeah, for him. yeah. I think, I think, I think T- Tony Hibbert and Leon Osman maybe should have been a bit more effort, yeah. shall we say? They did um, both get t- testimonials. Though. They both got yeah. one. no, but when they left, though, yes, yeah, they yeah. left. If you do you think they left the same? They, they yeah. left the same time as Tim. And if you see the difference between Tim's send-off to Leon and Kale Tony... Kale came back for that, didn't he? Because that was just... When yeah. Kale came back, he'd been gone a season, hadn't he? He came back in 13, didn't he? He went Moyes' last game. Yeah. But yeah. I think there should have been a bit more done for, for Tony and Leon when they left. Yeah. Like what you're talking about mm-hmm. there with, with Phil and Leon, you know, on the something they do go. And um, I think the one thing i say about testimonials is... Pre-season now is that shocking. You've got all sorts of commitments to sponsors. Trying to fit in a date that's mutually convenient for both you and your proposed opponents can be a bit of a bit of a difficult one, you know. Mm. And uh, that's the other thing we need to need to remember. Can, um, kind of can just be a friendly match, though, can it? Yeah, it can be, Go but sometimes it's not, sometimes it's, these things can be quite difficult to uh, difficult to, to organise. Um, and I think. Yeah, regarding them, I don't know about this. Jack sort of my coaching career, Phil, as you are. But I haven't, I haven't read yeah. anything of that. But you know. that could be a key thing, couldn't it? Yeah. What he wants to do after you know after the game, you know after he's finished playing. If I was Jack, I'd play as long as possible. To be fair, yeah. I'd, I'd go next year where I can maximise my game time. I think any senior player, think- you're the long long time retired, aren't you? If I was 36, 37, now I just want to play. Mm. I, I wouldn't want to sort of I be sitting on the bench. 36, <laughs> well, he's got to he's got to bring my age everyone's he wants, he wants a free copy of the book yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah <laughs> uh, he may already have one and uh, no, yeah no and um, I, I would I'd want to play if I was both Leighton and Jags yeah and whatever that is the other thing as well to, with the club you've got to cut the wage well as well well which is the yeah. other thing that comes into this and whether mm. I mean as senior players you know they'll be reasonably well paid whether the club sees is there a payoff between you know, do we want to sort of high wages? Yeah, luxuries yeah. sitting on the bench, but reasonably high wages is the sort of thing I think Brands has said in the past he wants to try and avoid. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, moving on. Uh, moving on, but back to 
Fulham in the 95th minute of the game, not seen by the referee, but picked up rather frustratingly by the TV cameras. Andre Gomez, um, a particularly late challenge, stamp, whatever you want to call it, on Mitrovic's ankle. Monday evening, the FA issued a charge of violent conduct against the midfielder who now faces a three-game ban uh, unless he successfully uh, challenges it, which would seem unlikely. Um, Sam, there's a lot of anger, isn't there, last night when that news dropped? A lot of frustration and, and, and anger amongst um, Blues fans because of a, of a perceived almost injustice that we've been punished, yet other players and other clubs have perhaps got away scot-free. 100% isn't it it is just so it's frustrating from both angles isn't it because any football fan looking at that tackle it's a bad tackle you know Gomez himself will probably be thinking you know 95th minute of a game We've why lost. have I even done it Yeah. but you know any, anyone who's played footy as well knows you, we all get those kind of you know, red red streaks sometimes when, when, when you do things like that but at the same time it is just so 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 annoying, and, and and that was kind of reflected in in the fan base certainly online last night when the news did break that all these tackles. You know, I think Dean was on the receiving end of one against yeah. Arsenal. You know, you look at kind of Mohamed Salah's tackle against Porto in the Champions League, which which, which was a terrible tackle. None of these seemingly get 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 punished, kind of thing. And even harking back to the opening day of the season, Jagielka's sending off against Wolves. It was, was when you look back, seemingly, I still don't know, that was a red card tackle. And it does just seem to be Everton kind of on, on the receiving receiving end of things. But, you know, we don't want to kind of be sitting here and, and, and crying it in because, you know, it was a bad tackle. It got caught and, and he's going to be punished. And, and the sad thing is, you know, he's a popular player. He's a classy player. Who would think himself, we were all hoping that he'd show, you know, that's kind of top level of performance in these last three games. And, it's sad that we won't get to see him at Goodison Park again until the end of the season. And it kind of now amplifies that kind of question now around his future and, and what's going to happen with, with Gomez. And I think a lot of Evertonians be sad if it's the last time we've ever seen him turn out. Bees, do you think the most the most frustrating thing is the, is the timing of the challenging, given the game was up, yeah. we were losing 2-0, and that he allowed his frustrations to get the better of him? Yeah, like you said, it made you know it wasn't helping anyone at all. The game was up, the result would have been secured. But um, he has shown flashes of this before. He had that the Bournemouth game, and uh, I don't know what he had for breakfast that morning. But um, <laughs> yeah, for somebody who's, who's such a nice guy, seemingly easy going, you know, s- silky player, he does have this side to him, and we've seen it. Is that necessarily times, always? So. I mean, it was a bad thing on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, but you know, in terms of that pursuit of. You know, a lot of supporters have talked about these characters, if you like, yeah. and, 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 and and having that bite. Is if if, if reined in yeah. and, and, and harnessed, I mean, that's a positive, if you like, yeah, even yeah. though it was a negative on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, it'd have to be reined in, but you want to be combative. You don't want to be like some phony hard man sticking the boot in ridiculous, with you know, in wild, out-of-control mm. fashion. And that's what it's been at times. I'd rather he played within the rules and, you know, get stuck in firm but fair, but don't do stupid t- challenge. So it is, you know, he's got many plus points to him, but it is, it's certainly a negative that we've seen this this red mist a couple of times, especially for someone who's otherwise such a composed individual. I'm was not it, quite sure what came over him. It's been a build-up as well, wasn't it? I think Gomez, just as much as we were from the stands, I think he was... Unhappy with his own personal performances, but it's, it's as you say, 
again, because, you know, you do have to channel that properly sometimes. And again, you do question, you know, it was the 95th minute, just, but, you know, it, it's difficult. I, I like Gomez and, Again, Everton have been been harshly done by and, you know, harking all the way back to the Nias instance against Crystal Palace. We do genuinely seem to be on the receiving end of this a lot. So, you know, both ways is, is kind of hard to accept, really. Do you have any concern that him stewing on a three-game ban would negatively impact his Why's decision Why is at you like that? And now, I've just got to say about this, sorry, before I answer yeah, the question, okay, yeah, yeah. is I know what people say about, like, conspiracy theories, but there's... The majority of times, players get punished, you know, like for stamps. Troy got sent off last night. Loads and loads of times this season, people are being red carded for challenges like that. And by the way, it wasn't a challenge or a tackle. It was a little bit of stamp after the ball had been kicked away. But it was a Jags kicked the ball away. Mm. It was it was a second or two after the ball had kicked away. So it wasn't it wasn't a tackle as far as I'm concerned. It was enough. And we were talking before, and it went back to the being a bundle between them, hadn't it? Yeah, in the box. In, in the yeah. box, um, just about like sixty seconds previously. Um, so I think there's a bit of an afters there and I think um, I totally agree what's being said is that as B says he's got it in him hasn't he? he's been a couple of games not just the Bournemouth game might be in a Huddersfield game I can't remember there was he's another actually one. given away yeah, quite a lot, of, a lot yeah. of high number of fouls this yeah. season interestingly um, he, and um, he has got it in him um, but that was unforgivable that on, on, on Saturday both in terms of like what he did and also like it's 95 minutes you know why uh, just if you've got the red mist, as Sam was saying, just hold it back for another two minutes, but you let the referee blow for uh, full time. Um, and um, I just thought he let himself down badly uh, there. Um, but regarding that, I think it doesn't help, does it, in terms of what's going to happen with him next season, that he's now missing for possibly three games, yes, which will leave Spurs as his future destination, obviously, according <laughs> to at least one former player. Um, yes. Irony of ironies. Um, and, it, yeah, it's, while he's not playing, it's just that speculation just builds up and builds up. Mm. Um, and, and, and big loss of the team as well. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be a lot well, Manchester that's, that's, that's the big thing, isn't it? In the, in the race for seventh, yeah. you know, those you know three games that you know we would be hopefully confident of going in and winning. Gomez not being there potentially is yeah. it's the juxtaposition, really, isn't it? Like obviously we'd have a stronger chance. You know, if all the teams do come in for Gomez, we'd have a stronger chance of landing them. You'd assume if we had Europa League, and now our our own kind of challenge is going to be weakened by Gomez himself being or, sent off. On the flip side, you know, if he's not playing for three games, out of sight, out of mind for other clubs, you know, does that, is that... Could be, yeah, yeah, they might not play him against Spurs, you know, but you can't see him. Gomez, <laughs> Gomez who? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah just, just, just sign him quiet. Yeah. Congratulations to Sam for using the word juxtaposition. I believe that's the first time in my years on the podcast that that phrase has ever been, where it's and, ever been uh, used. Yeah, possibly the last time. Last time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I just think it didn't help and he let himself down badly and it was indicative of our sort of attitude mm. in the game it was really really poor that from it relatively senior pros play for big clubs mm. yeah indeed um, okay moving on to the third and final part of today's podcast uh, on Monday night uh, the Everton's under 23s saw off their closest rivals Brighton 1-0 thanks to Josh Bowler to lift the Premier League 2 title um, but he's a, a great achievement for the lads isn't it yeah, second time in three seasons, of course. Um, hats off to David Unsworth, you know, for having that consistency and and doing the bit 
the business on, on a regular basis. Uh, you could see the players themselves were absolutely delighted. Made they up, they were they? made up. They were certainly, you know, they were, they were more excited than the fans. Um, they, you know, they were getting generous applause from that large contingent in the park end, but you could see just what it, it meant to, to those players. You just got to hope that some of them can bridge that gap and make that step up to, to the Everton first team because that's what ultimately it's all mm. about at this level. Okay, it's all well and good to pick up these trophies, but it is about player development. You just hope some of them can make it. Sam, um, you watched a bit of the 23s this season. Who's the one player on show last night you think is closest at this stage? To the first team, of course, that's what I mean. Closest to the first team? You're probably looking... Obviously, this is no disrespect to anyone. Not going to be listed, but I like to look at Jao, the goalkeeper, I think. Obviously, again, bit of a juxtaposition again, Gav, because you know, Pickford... Ah, <laughs> you know... Pickford... Tacky. English literature yeah. is a great everyone, you know. Yeah. You know, Pickford could potentially be Everton's first choice keeper for more than 10 years, you know, so... He's so currently it's on one. the longest contract of any player, is Currently, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Jao's got it, got it tough, but, you know, very talented goalkeeper from what I've seen, very composed... You know, he's got good footwork, got good distribution, strong shot stopper. He had a little bit of a nervous moment last night when he kind of pushed one out into the penalty area, but, you know, always seems to be learning. And, you know, again, learning from one of the brightest young goalkeepers in, in, in the Premier League every day in training and a, a World Cup final. Goalkeeper in Martins to Kellenberg as well. That helps. Um, you know, I like the look of Morgan Feeney, centre-half. You know, he's a leader. He's only a young lad. But, you know, and I think what's most impressive with Feeney, when you go to these under-23 games... And uh, you're not just glory hunting like bees who turns up for the trophy <laughs> procession. <laughs> you know, at Southport and, and Man City last week, you know, when there's not much of a crowd there, you know, you can hear Morgan and, you know, he's not scared to dish it out to the to the older boys and, and give it to the likes of Brendan Galloway and stuff. You know, he's always talking to them. You know, the signs of a real leader there, but I, I would like to see him go out on, on loan next season now and test it. I think it's time for Morgan to test himself against, you know, senior, competitive opposition uh, you know Lewis Gibson beside them probably the same might be time for him to kind of get some competitive action uh, and then when you move forward then you know Josh Bowler came alive last night didn't he I think that was the first time I've seen him put in a, a real real performance you know that made you kind of stand up and, and take note of him and if he can channel that into you know some some consistency you know he'd, he'd be a real danger because he's, he's seemingly got it all pace power you know a brilliant finish for the for the winning goal so, so there's a lot of talent and I think the phrase that the bees used is correct and it is just bridging that gap now. You know, I think Ronald Koeman kind of almost infamously re referred to the standard of a 23s game as a first team training session and, and while I think that might be a little bit harsh, there is certainly a, still a big gap and, you know, when you look at the lads who won it in 2017, I think Calvert-Lewin featured, you know, Davies, Dahl, John Joe Kenny, John Joe Kenny, Pennington, you know, a, a few lads who... Um, you know, now we're kind of on the fringes, out on loan. You know, obviously you'd say Tom's probably the most progressed out of all of them. So now it is just about kind of getting your foot in the door and, and getting noticed by Marco Silva. But I, I do think Marcel and, and Marco um, are certainly more, you know, I think there's been a few lads training with the first team and, yeah. you know, which which is good to see now. And it would be nice, you know, I, I think, can't remember the last time, you know, not since maybe that that final day of the season when Joe Royal and David Unsworth had took over from Martinez and they introduced Tom and Keane and a few others to the first team. You know, it'd be nice to start getting a little bit excited about a, a couple of young lads and even if we see them in a, a League Cup game or, or on the bench, you know, when needed towards the end of the season, 
you know, I'm all for that because, you know, they've put in a good shift over the course of a season and there is a couple who hopefully do make the grade and, and step up. What a story it'd be if Morgan Feeney mm. made the first team. Obviously, he's still got a season ticket in, in the lower gladders, so. <laughs> Gav, how do, so how does this crop, you know, the class of 2019, yeah. emulate the players of 2017, Calvert-Lewin, who spent five months, I think, with, with the 23s. Yeah. John Joe Kenny won the title and, and became a first-team squad member. Davis had already done so as well. How do those? How do the players emulate that, if you like, and become first-team regulars in the squad sense and avoid the difficulties maybe that some of their teammates from that, that time who perhaps now find themselves on a yeah. second or third loan? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, re- and in reality, I'd probably nowhere nearer than they were at, at that point. Yeah. I don't think it's down to the players. I think it's down to the, the the management team and coaching staff and your director of football, what their attitude is, isn't it, really? Um, it's whether they've got belief and want to try and bridge that gap or whether their their sort of aim to, to improve Everton is actually just to bring the best players best players in and on a short-term basis. I think it's, in many respects, it's out of, out of the, the players' hands. Um, I don't think they can do any more than what they, they're doing at the moment. We just won the mm. won, won the title for the second time in three years. Um, I, I I go back to my previous point on this: is that I think if you're playing under twenty three football at in your early twenties and not knocking around the first team, it's going to be very very difficult for you. Those players that you mentioned there, Calvert Lewin, Davies, Kenny, they were all in around the first team in sixteen seventeen. Mm. I mean, Dominic Dominic played. Half a season, didn't you think? Tom had played a few, quite a few games. I would, I would counter um, for, for context. This is a generally across the board a younger, youngest okay. twenty three yeah, team yeah. that's won the title. I, I get that, but even so, I, I, I always, I always say that if you, even eighteen nineteen, if you're knocking on the door of a not knocking on the door of of a Premier League squad and you're in the academy, it's going to be very very difficult for you to develop over the, the three or four years. That you've got remaining at that level to 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 knock on the, not knock on you know get in the team. Uh, um, I think it's changed it, a little bit, like Harry Kane and people like well, that. Well, that's one people... Harry. I mean, Harry being on loan, hadn't he? I mean, there's always one or two exceptions. I mean, that's a bit of a like 100 generalization. It's going to be very very difficult yeah. for you. Um, but at the same time, it depends on what your attitude of your, your director of football is. Forcing for us, Marcel in particular, appears to maybe a little bit more progressive than some of Absolutely, his predecessors yeah, yeah. within this question. And he may he may want to be patient, but it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, and I agree, I think the goalkeeper is probably, from, from what I've heard from people who watch it regularly, they're all very impressed with the bit of the keeper. Just, another, just a, a, a last one on this. In terms of, you know, a number of the players last night who were brought certainly brought to the club uh, in the summer of 2017, as he started this rebuild, if you like, they'll be going into the final 12 months of their deal, a lot, a lot of those players, this summer. Is it the time to reward now and give them an opportunity until they're 23? I mean, how long do you, how long, you know, do we have to change the mentality of uh, or, the, or the structure in terms of we give these lads longer to prove themselves or is that a mistake that we've made in the past and we've held on to players for too long and... It depends on the player, I suppose. People players develop at different rates, don't they? There'll be some I think that may think, well, actually, I can't really see you developing. I'm just trying to pick up on your point about yeah. you rightly say if if in their early twenties or yeah. they're not pushing, 
do we have to give them longer? Do we have to keep them in the system at the club longer? Uh, it depends. It depends on your position and your and your rate of development, doesn't it? And how much game time you've had at that level. So I don't think you can say there's a one size fits all answer to that. My, I think my view though is if if you've been there three years and you're really not pushed on at that time, you'd be saying, well, hang on a minute. Don't think it's going to benefit your career or our academy and club if you if you if you remain. And I think we have made that decision in the past where there's there's some players who've been at academy level now for what five years perhaps something like that or have gone on loan. Um, and I think um, I think Marcel is looking at all that, and I'm confident that he, you know, understands that the sort of difference. You know the vagaries of uh, uh, of players' development, and of course, it's about also maybe protecting the asset. If we want to be cynical about about the thing, and, and well, realistic that, that, about that's the one of the reasons why academy football exists, isn't it? Yeah. To to use as a way of generating income for for the club, it's got to pay for itself. I mean, they cost quite a few few fair bob academies, mm, don't they? You know? Yes, indeed. You know, it's not not cheap. Indeed. Excellent, chaps. We'll wrap it, wrap it up there. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening. Uh, you can rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Acast app, so please do so. Uh, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.